0: With rants and raves, you'll be okay. And today is your lucky day. It is rants and raves with Gary KKK. Hey everyone, this is Gary K. Uh, thanks for joining me on this special rants and raves. I say special because this is gonna be an opportunity for you to learn. Kind of the analytics side of our industry, and sort of how the industry can benefit from economic and detailed uh, market insight research, things like that, things that only Evixa can really do as our industry's association. Um, and I have Sean Wargo back from Evixa. Uh, Sean, how are you doing today?
1: Good, Gary. Great to be here.
0: I really appreciate you joining me again, and. Um, we, we had a chance to talk, I don't know, six months ago, maybe even a little longer than that. Um, as a senior director of market intelligence at Avixa, you have some really great insights on sort of where the industry came from in, in kind of real time, but also where it's going in the future. So I want to talk about that in a second, but I also want to introduce, uh, we have a, a new guest for the first time on here, Peter Hansen, um, who is an economic analyst now for a few years at Avixa. Peter, how are you? I'm doing well, Gary. It's great to be here. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I have a, a great interest in economics, uh, personally, because my daughter's an econ major in college. So maybe we'll talk about the kind of job she could possibly get one day, Love Love because it. I don't know anything about economics. But uh, back sorry to in you. advance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, back to you, Sean. I do have a question. The big question, obviously, is sort of, give me an overall state of the industry. I don't think any of us a year ago thought we'd be sitting in the position we're in now. I kind of pre-recording said this is like Groundhog Day, but but what, what is the state of the economy right now, or, or the AV economy, I should say?
1: Sure, well, as we might have talked about in the past, we go through an annual process whereby we look at a whole bunch of inputs to try to figure out kind of where have we been, where are we going, uh, what's mm-hmm. the size and direction of the industry. It's all part of what we call our industry outlook trends analysis, IOTA yeah, for the short. IOTA. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Love those acronyms as a tech association. But um, yeah, so the IOTA, we refreshed it um, in the first part of this year, released around July timeframe, June, July timeframe. You know, one of the things we really learned, Gary, as we looked back is – when we were in 2020, and we were going through that revision process right as pandemic was just setting in on us, um, we, we had some optimism as we, as we looked forward to the close of 2020. So we thought, all right, you know, maybe some live events start to come back because vaccines are, are uh, deployed and, and waves have subsided on COVID, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, in some, in some of those ways, we were wrong. Those expectations were optimistic. So we expected about an 8% decline on pro-AV revenues globally. We ended up, as we look at it this year, at around 16% for 2020. Uh, that's, that's stark, and for a lot of reasons, uh, some of which Peter can talk about, you know, in terms of where did we end up as, uh, for GDP as a country, uh, for the United States in particular, and in many parts of the world. AV, pro-AV, fared a lot worse. And I think part of the reason for that is if you think about us as an industry, we're about in-person, we're about experiences, whether it's stadiums or offices or classrooms. Uh, And so you pull back that activity and we're going to be harder hit than the the broader GDP. Things are great as we look forward now. Uh, You know, I think we're meaningfully recovering. Our data has been showing that month over month in our index and the IOTA report kind of backs that up. Um, so, you know, we're looking at 10% growth this year it was looking like it was gonna be lower last year. 10% over 2020. Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah 20 yeah. 10% growth over 2020 decline. So yeah. but it's a deep trough. Uh, it yeah. takes a while to recover from that. Uh, and that's what we're looking forward to, to now, you know, things like delta and other sorts of lingering issues kind of aside for the moment, we think that's mm-hmm. part of the context that we expected you know in a, in a recovery period but um yeah peter can add to some of that from an economic well, standpoint
0: well i do want to ask a, a quick question of peter like how come uh zoom and teams and companies like that didn't make up for that sh- that shortfall like i mean we went from you know you look at zoom zone statistics 11 million daily video mm-hmm. users to 30, 300 million in a a matter of 60 days, why didn't that make up the difference? I mean, in my head, I think, well, that's because it's just cheaper and the margins are different, but it's got to be something bigger than that.
2: I'll I'll give you two reasons. Um, The first is, and I think this is one of the big values of using an objective data source, is that it helps you kind of sneak past those headlines into like, like a way to really balance everything. And so when you go into like Diota and you start disaggregating by like, Okay, let's look at like where all the dollars are coming from. Like, obviously, conferencing collaboration is a big part of our revenue. Uh, but then you start looking at like you know the digital signage, you know the live events, you know the uh, the venues, and you realize that while there is a big amount of money in the conferencing collaboration, it's it's actually only a small percent. So it's like we we are that like probably is the answer in a lot of ways to the inability to be together in person, but. Overall, in balance, Pro-AV is more in person. Um, and so that's right. where we end up kind of like, over, the, the drops are overwhelming the growth. And then I'd say the other part, the second part that I, I mentioned, is that there's this balance between Pro-AV and Consumer-AV. And that's always a right. challenge for us when we're, we're always you know communicating with our members. Like, what exactly are, are you guys getting at? Like, what should we include? You know, we, we take a TAM approach where you got kind of get like, a little bigger um, and say like, you might not use all of this and you can use our like our tools to sort of like uh, cut up to what you do, um, but we take a, a big approach. Uh, but the thing about a lot of the Zoom is, it, it's been a lot of really consumer stuff uh, mm. and the sorts of conferencing and collaboration technology that source so much revenue for Avixa members, for members of the community is things that they're actually Picking up a bit more now, like okay, let's let's get the offices ready for that hybrid model or for a lot more Zoom intensive, uh, conferencing and collaboration, like, uh, in our office. Uh, but last year, early this year, you know, as much as that growth, uh, existed, a lot of it kind of centered the dollars in, uh, ex- on consumer side, um, and, and it was really just like I'm using. Like you know, here I'm using uh, an additional like webcam, but it's just a plug-in uh, and, yeah. and stick on the top of my. And you can buy it can, from Amazon. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. There's yeah. not a lot of dollars going to our distributors, our integrators, uh, even the manufacturers that are doing well, like you know but, high-end stuff.
0: But my like I had a conversation with one. You know, I, I won't mention which company, but one of the top three integrators in the country. Uh, in the world, actually, that said to me yesterday, we're no longer taking any more design business because we're too busy. Mm-hmm. Every business we're taking now, we're scheduling for January, meaning if somebody has a new project. Now that's not that they won't take the orders, but the design. So you said that that will equate to 10% growth, Sean, but I mean, if the world's, one of the top three big integrators in the world, which are billion dollar companies says they're not taking any more yeah. design bids that That's gotta show well for the future, wouldn't it?
1: Absolutely. I think so. It's a mixed bag, right? You know, we can find examples in both categories. We can find companies. It's kind of the, the, the law of averages, right? So, the, you'll have the big integrator who is able to kind of keep their business going. But on the flip side of that, you know, live events, for example, uh, still struggling to come back. And when we look back at the numbers, 2020 for live events was about a 60% hit to revenues for those companies. Now, some pivoted. Some went into conference and collaboration, uh, content production and streaming, uh, distribution of of content, those sorts of things, support for live events. But you take that in aggregate, right? And that's what gets you down to the 10%. Bear in mind that that exceeds GDP growth. So our overall economy is not even growing at that fast of a rate uh, for 2021. So it's telling you, look, our industry, uh, as big as it is, uh, the hundreds of billions that it is, um, you know, that that's still able to uh, get an impressive amount of 10% growth, you know, so, you know, that's leading to, you know, $20 million, uh, $20 billion more for the industry than it would have seen in the year prior. But it's a mixed bag. I think as Peter's kind of alluding to as well, we can't forget that While there's areas of strength, and we did see what you're talking about, conference and collaboration technology, we thought that would be down a little in 2020, it was up slightly. So there was investment flowing away from kitting of space, which we know our industry had benefited most from, office spaces, auditoriums, et cetera, uh, to licensing for Zoom teams, et cetera, selling Bluetooth, uh, USB speakers, microphones, uh, headsets, et cetera. Uh, so that benefited us, helped us as an industry, uh, but isn't enough to make up for the overall loss in our normal course of business. Uh, but you're absolutely right, Gary. I think, you know, looking forward, I love to hear those kinds of things. It's what we're seeing in our index as well, that companies are starting to see their pipe, their pipelines have, have recovered. Um, they're doing design. They've got projects put out. You know, they're looking at issues like supply chain, which I know we'll talk about, uh, just to kind of. Mon, uh, meter expectations. Uh, you know, uh, uh, work with clients to kind of develop appropriate expectations for timing of work. But overall, things look great. And as Peter has written about, a lot of the challenges we see now are more about rising demand. Uh, than they are intrinsic weakness. Um, You know, you could argue, yes, if there's, if we can't meet demand, there's a weakness there, but we'd rather have the strong demand uh, and, uh, and be dealing with that problem.
0: So, so Peter, there's a lot of, you know, obviously the chip shortage has, you know, is, is creating the supply chain problems in a lot of ways, not exclusively, Uh, but uh, but everything we do has a lot of chips. We switched from an analog discrete technology market right. to digital uh, over the course of the last 20 years in every part of our market. Um, you know, I've hear, I hear everything from the chip shortage will be solved in January to the chip shortage be, won't be solved till 2025. Right. What can we expect as an industry based on your analysis uh, and your knowledge base? Um, when will we sort of like imagine this imaginary world where COVID wasn't an issue? When will all the supply chain issues sort of just magically fix themselves, in your opinion?
2: Well, I'll say, I, I um, using our research and kind of turning to mm-hmm. our AV community, sort really like leveraging that uh, fix position as the association to use our reach sure. to like, understand what, what folks are seeing on the ground all around the world. That chip shortage, I think, has been maybe a little bit overrated in terms of actual cause. Um, for mm-hmm. example, we asked our insights community what are the products that are most affected by the chip shortage? And they said control systems first, video displays second. Okay. Wow. Uh and then we asked, what are the products that uh, are most uh in short supply, like having the biggest supply issues where displays were at the top of that list, but control systems are actually way down the list. and right. way above control systems, we saw infrastructure products. So, yeah. like if it's if you know okay. if the story is a chip shortage story, like infrastructure is never gonna be above. uh uh, the control systems right um so we've really been trying to emphasize the other causes that i think are super important uh because you know if you're a company and you're thinking like okay the supply problems are because of the chip shortage you're going to focus on the chip shortage and you're going to miss the other factors that matter right Right. for example you know the continuing pandemic right (laughs) um uh, Like there are a lot of lockdowns in like Indonesia, Malaysia, and like early Mm -hmm. summer, and that disrupted a lot of supply chains there. Like if you're, you know, a manufacturer you're a distributor, you should be paying attention to the key countries along your supply chain, so that you know, like, oh crap, like Indonesia's going to lockdown. I need to pivot a little bit. That factory down. Like we need to pivot right now. So that's where, like, if you're spending your energy focusing on the pandemic and what's going along your supply chain you're going to get a lot more actionable insight than if you are focusing on a chip shortage. Another piece Sean mentioned is the kind of spiking demand. You know, we've had this like sudden, sudden drop at like, you know, March 2020, April 2020. Mm. And right now over the summer, it's been a really sudden increase. And manufacturers, you know, supply chains in general, like including like shipping, uh, that's big one we're hearing about, they just don't adjust all that quickly. So we're seeing demand go so fast that the recovery um, in every piece of logistics uh, is not keeping up. And so that gives you an indication about when you can expect for supply chains to be better. It's like, look at when vaccinations are sort of spreading in your country, look at how that is affecting demand, especially now thinking about that Delta variant possibility depressing demand. Uh, and then project like three months, like nine months, kind of six month um, range from then, probably when you can start to see things get better. So like we're seeing in the United States, like big demand spike in the summer, big supply issues now. expect that by 2022, even if chips are still a problem, overall supply chains are probably going to be stabilizing just because the demand spike has kind of leveled off a little bit. And therefore, suppliers, supply chains are having time to catch up and really lock in. And and the last piece of that is uncertainty. You know, if you're a manufacturer, you don't want to, like, go all the way in on spiking demand when you're like, hey, Delta variant, Lambda variant. And the result is that companies are going to be a little conservative, you know, you'd rather like pass up a little bit of profit than absorb a big loss, especially, you know, maybe after a tough year last year. Uh, So there's going to be some underproducing as we progress towards more stability in 2022, 2023. Um, So I think that de-emphasizing the chip shortage and really looking at you know, where the pandemic is affecting your supply chains and your business, looking at kind of the timing of demand spike, that's really going to get you uh, a lot closer to the true clauses. It's going to help you uh, respond to potential issues uh, much better, and it's going to be a better sense of timing uh, for when things are going to
0: stabilize. It's interesting you say that because um, in our own organization, but also with our clients, we, um, we embrace the concept of fluidity rather than pivoting Mm uh there's a great article out there about why brands need to embrace fluidity and i think that's what you're saying there is 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 instead of pivoting as you see these trends be fluid enough to basically have all of it embraced so that you'll Mm -hmm. so that you're taking in enough information that you're not tied to one data point i think that's the value of what you're providing in as association sean or these reports uh, and these reports are not just available to manufacturers. These reports are available to all members of EVIX, and even non-members can get these reports if they, you know, obviously I think there's a different cost associated with it. Like um, I know you you publish like a kind of a wrap up. We'll we'll link to that uh, that you always publish uh, on a regular basis. But if I want to get uh, more information on this, where do I go on the EVIX website?
1: Sure, you can come to our market intelligence pages. So from the top navigation of ixa.org, there's market intel pages that lead you uh-huh. to our various reporting offerings. Um, we have macroeconomic reports that Peter authors. We've got the IOTA, which is our forecast reports. And then we've got a series that actually goes into the vertical markets, um, called more and market opportunity analysis reports. The idea is to give you kind of top down to specific information about what's going on within context of industry mm-hmm. and economy, and then uh, how our industry is faring, and then what the how the markets underneath it are driving that. Um, but as you said, the the idea for us is you know, everybody in AV has kind of almost a different definition for what that means, because it reflects where they're focused. Like you said, conference and collaboration or event space or or, signage. Yeah, exactly. Right. So the idea for us is being providing a picture that allows companies to be fluid enough to say, well, I'm here, but there's opportunity over here or here uh, and not fully pivot, but be able to benefit from that by investing in capabilities, uh, staffing skill sets, um, product offerings, solution offerings, that kind of thing so that you can uh, you can benefit from those. I heard some stories and I'm sure you did too Gary over the over the pandemic period you know the companies that were diversified, not necessarily the company diversified but companies right. that were diversified uh, were able to fare much better. Uh, I talked to some companies that you know were say, I do live events for associations in the UK, right? That's gonna be uh, just. That's gonna be tough, right? Because you're you're narrow banded, Um, so you're no
0: control over anything. It's that's right. The government says you can and can't do, right? Exactly.
1: So the pandemic kind of taught us you know, some age old wisdom about uh, business diversification and opportunity pipeline and, and kind of looking for uh, ancillary areas that you can start building. We were victims of success in a lot of ways, you know, pandemic hit us hard as an industry because we had tended to be fairly focused in our areas of expertise. Uh, So this has really taught us that importance of fluidity, flexibility, agility, whatever, choose your, choose your name for the, business acumen that applies but that's certainly the idea And our research we hope helps illuminate some of those kinds of opportunities
0: yeah and i'll 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 put a link in the description of this video cast so that people can read that article it's very short and it kind of maybe open your eyes a little bit but i certainly encourage those of you who are not subscribed or at least have a relationship with avixa on the market intelligence to to at least get the iota report iota yeah um go ahead. One quick plug. So I was going to say
1: yeah. too, you know, we're, we are looking forward to Infocom 2021, and uh, Peter and I will be on stage there, sharing more of this stuff, uh, some snippets from IOTA, snippets from Meta, etc. So um, hope you can join us. Uh, there will be, of course, some virtual opportunities, but uh, join us there too. Look forward to seeing people in person.
0: Yeah, and so that's and of course that's the fourth week of October, uh, Infocom 2021 in Orlando. If you have if you want more information on that, go to infocomshow.org. Uh, And of course, go to Uh, evixa.com if you want it, or evixa.org, either one works works. to get any of this other stuff we've talked about. Uh, Thank you very much, Sean. Peter, it's great to actually meet you visually, and I'll see you at Infocom uh, in a month and a half, or two months, I should say.
1: Sounds great. Look
0: forward to it. Thank you. Thank you.